Hello everyone, this is the TVC podcast with me, Tony Lowe. Now, yesterday I got my car repaired for the second time in a couple of weeks. And I chose the guy to repair my car because from the very first that I met him, I got a very good impression of his work ethic and his attitude towards work. Now, from many of you, you'll already understand that finding a good mechanic can be quite hard. And let me rephrase that. It's not so much that you can't find mechanics who can do the job well, because I think there's plenty of those, but you really struggle, especially in the UK, to find a mechanic who will be honest about their prices and do a decent uh, and do a decent job based on that. Um, the rates that mechanics can uh, charge in the UK can be extortionate. And in many cases, they'll they'll boost those rates up because most people don't really know what they're talking about. It's usually different when it comes to what I would regard as simpler trades like um, carpentry or even plumbing because everyone has internal plumbing and kind of knows the basics of how pipe works, pipes work and push water around the house. But cars are much more complicated and there are so many interconnected moving parts which are basically all essential that there's a level of complexity there that most people are not familiar with. And so when you go to a mechanic for a repair, it's like, I could kind of get a sense of what they're going to do, but do I really know for sure? And, you know, and they can monopolize on on that ignorance. You could say fair, fair enough. Um, I don't want to get into the economics of it, but it is the case that to find a mechanic who honestly charges you for the price for a reasonable value is, is quite is quite something. Uh, I've been lucky enough to meet two now, which I feel extremely blessed by. The very first time was when I was living down in the West Country and um, I had a couple of small errors on my car. I think like uh, the spark plugs burnt out, for example, um, and I didn't, I didn't know how to replace them. Uh, so I went and found someone and... He not only replaced them, but after he, because I, I bought them myself, obviously, but he actually did the labor of, he had the right tools to actually unscrew them and put the new ones in. And after that, um, he said, don't worry about it. I said, what do you mean? He said, yeah, don't worry about the price. I was like, what, you, you're going to just do it for free? He said, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. And then um, at that point, I was like, no, no, I'm definitely going to pay you at least something for that. Now, to be fair, it only took him like, 15, 20 minutes, but this is the thing. Most mechanics would have charged me something quite serious for that 10 or 15 minutes, at least like 50, 50 pounds or something. I gave him 20, just just for something, right? Because I thought for 15, 20 minutes work, 20 pounds seems fair, but I want to just, you know. Um, and a few weeks later, I had another completely unrelated problem with the car again, went back to the same guy, and it was a similar situation. Now this, this new job took maybe an hour and then he did actually give me a price and he said, okay, I'll do this job for, for 20. And I thought you could have charged me like a hundred for that. You know? um, now he, he was an interesting one to speak to because I asked him, look, being a mechanic and he was good at his job. Like my car was repaired after that. I didn't have any problems with the things that he fixed afterwards for, but I still haven't. So he did his job well, and I looked up at his driveway when I was at his house, and I, I looked that he had like you know three or four cars 
in the works up there. So I thought, well, he's actually still, he does work as a mechanic full time. And I kind of stopped and went, look, why, why aren't you interested in me giving you any money? And he kind of just went, because I've got enough. I said, what do you mean? And he was like, well, all I want is enough money so that I can buy food, pay my rent, and that's it. And once I've done that, sometimes I work five days a week. Sometimes, if I've worked five days a week and they've all paid me well, uh, I don't work at all the next week. I just have the week to myself. Very interesting. Very rare character to come across. Now, I don't necessarily think his worldview is completely correct. Um, because as it transpires, what does he actually do with that free time that he gives himself? Well, from what I could tell, he says that he just kind of makes music and plays video games. Um, I he think he's coming up to his 30s, maybe late 30s, hasn't got a wife, hasn't got any kids. Um, so I don't really think that he's he's living a, a meaningful life uh, or really a moral life either in the grand scheme. But, you know, he was a perfectly decent worker and he wasn't greedy, obviously, right? So I think that's the main the main takeaway from, from that guy. He wasn't greedy and he just charged what he thought was fair because he knew his priorities, um, which I, I really do respect that part of it. You know, I, I, um, I suppose should pray that he, he spends some time, his, his spare time in a more productive way. But, you know, that, that baseline of just, I'm not in this to, to be greedy, very rare and very respectful because he also did a good job on top of it. Uh, this isn't even the main guy I wanted to talk about, but I did want to just mention that because it came to mind. But I got a similar impression from this mechanic who repaired my car yesterday. And I got that impression because he did one simple job for me a couple of weeks ago. And again, it was a similar thing where he just kind of charged me for the part and then a minimum price for labor. Um, and I knew that a professional mechanical shop would have charged me at least double for, for what he did. Um, but he was very straight, you know, he looked me in the eye when he told me everything he was going to do and how he was going to do it. Any questions I had, he didn't flinch. Um, and he was just very straightforward. I thought I'd get a good impression from this guy. I'm going to start using him. Now, zoom the clock forward. I, I had to get another repair for the ball joint on my wheel because it had been faulty. And because I've been doing a few, uh, should we say country drives, um, it burnt through my tire. So a couple of weeks ago, I was like 200 miles away from home and my tire almost basically tore through when I was like two and a half hours away from home. Um, so that was apparently because the ball joint was loose, right? So basically it's the place that the place where the wheel sits in, it was uh, loose. So the wheel would then slightly tilt inwards and, and rub against the inside of, of rub against the the apparatus on the inside of the car from the little i understand i'm i'm definitely no mechanic and i've not really ever been much of a car person um but it was one of those things where you know if that happened again i would be in a real dire situation um so i speak to this bloke again talk to him about what it is and he's oh that's, that's a simple repair we can do that um gave me a reasonable 
small price for it. I obviously had to buy the part. And then um, you know, I drove the car down to his place and, and we started working on it. Now, we I arrived at his house at six o'clock and the job really should have taken about less than an hour. But if any of you have ever worked in the trades, you know that the amount of five-minute jobs that you have that end up taking half a day, uh, it's a real, <laughs> it's a real training training academy for uh, for patience and perseverance. I'll tell you that much. And this was just another one of those jobs. Really, uh, should have taken us 20, 30 minutes, maybe an hour tops. But the long and the short of it is that we had these rivets uh, holding on the old ball joint. And <laughs> the irony is that putting on the new ball joint would have only taken 20 minutes. But we had to take off the old one first. And we were there. I was at his house until about 11 o'clock. So five hours. I was going to say we spent, but really four and a half hours I spent watching him using every tool he had to try and burn through these rivets that just would not come out of the arm of the ball joint. And he was hammering away. He was grinding it. He was burning through drill bits. Um, and, you know, fair play to him as well because there wasn't really anything else for me to do. I just kind of stood there and watched. Every now and then I helped, like I gave, you know, hammered the rivets from a few angles, passed him some tools. Um, but really I wanted to let the expert do his work. Uh, but for what a pain of a job, you know, if my car had just been a little bit better behaved, um, this, this would have been out and done hours ago, but fair play to him on a Saturday night, he was there in the dark on his driveway, lying on the concrete floor, hammering and grinding away at these rivets because he said he would, and he knew, he knew I needed the car back soon. So... You know, what, what can I say about this bloke? Well, one of the first things that I could say is he did the job first, right? He actually did it. Uh, and he never complained about it. Not once. Now, he might have actually kind of said, oh, this um, it's a bit of a pain these rivets are in, but he didn't actually complain. You know, you can tell what it is when someone says, oh, what a pain that these rivets are tight compared to, oh, I hate this job. I don't want to be here. I wish I was doing something else. Um, I think you know what I mean. And then the, the next thing is that as the time was getting on, because we were, we were working in a residential area, so he was concerned about being too noisy for the locals. Um, we were kind of thinking through contingencies. Like, oh, so what are we going to do next? And without any suggestion on my part, he said to you, look, if I can't get this done tonight, you live relatively close to me. I will give you a lift into work tomorrow. You, shouldn't, you don't need to buy a courtesy car. I will drive you to your place of work. And then I will come home, I will finish the repair, and then I will come and pick you up um, so that you can get your car back. With no talk whatsoever about an extra charge, any complaints about his time, it was just, no, no, I'll do that. Um, and then what I really noticed was just this look of perseverance that he had on his face while he was doing the work. And I've seen this in many people before, and I've, I've had it in myself too, where... You know, you kind of get into the swing of things. And there was a point at around nine o'clock where the first rivet finally broke after hammering away for, say, three hours. Uh, 
something clicked basically we found a workaround and the first rivet came out and by that point we'd already spoken about should we call it a day should we come back to this tomorrow and the moment the first rivet came out he was like no no we're finishing this i will finish this tonight because you want to go home tonight don't you and i was like well, it'd be nice if i could drive back he was like okay cool let's do it and so he had this persistent look of focus on his face all the way through and like i said he was underneath that car it had long been dark by the time we finished but he was there for hours on his Saturday night, getting the job done because he knew and felt that he should and because he wanted to. And God bless him, he did it, you know. And after he did it, I said to him, how much do you want for it? And he just asked me, well, what was the original quote? Which he had given me when he thought the job would only take 20 minutes. I told him what the quote was and he said, okay, that'll do. Um, in fact, take £10 off of it and go down the shop and buy us both a, a kebab. And I said to him, okay, fair enough. Um, and then I, I wanted to give him a bit extra afterwards because I thought, you know, if all things being equal, he could have charged me by the hour for that, right? Which a lot of mechanics do. A lot of mechanics will say, yeah, I'll do the fix for you. How much is it going to be? I don't know. It depends how long it takes. And, you know, their rate can be anything from 50 to 150 pounds an hour. Um, so we're talking like almost a thousand pounds for a job like that. I tell you, it took, he, he charged not even 10% of that price. So with all of these unseen difficulties and with all of this added pressure to his own time, that didn't change anything for him about the justice of the situation. He thought, no, I've quoted you a price. Uh, you expected to pay me that much for this job. And if there are any unforeseen circumstances, as far as he was concerned, that was his own shortcoming. Maybe he didn't have the right tools. Maybe he didn't plan around the job sufficiently ahead of time. Um, maybe he hadn't... Uh, put enough time aside to, to do it properly or whatever. But as far as he was concerned, the price stayed and everything else was his problem. And I respect that profoundly because I think that in one instance is an example of how you be a good worker, right? He did the job well and he saw it through and he finished it. But he also owned all of the mistakes. Whether you say it's his mistakes or the mistakes of the job. The thing is, for a good worker, you see no difference between the two. Yeah. If there are really unforeseen circumstances um, that you and the client can't know. So I, should, I suppose I should put a little bit of a caveat in there. If, for example, the client tells you that they only have two pipes to be fitted and there's no wall between where the pipes need to go and where you're putting them um then that's one thing but then if you arrive to the job and it turns out well there's actually three walls in between where the pipes need to go and you didn't tell me about that and there's actually a leak that you didn't mention and all that kind of stuff that's different that's the client's fault for not telling you what the job is but if you and the client are on the same page you look at the job you tell them it's going to you know you tell them what's involved and then the job just morphs and mutates into this horrible monster then that's your monster to deal with 
right? It's not necessarily the client's fault that that happened, you know. As far as this guy was concerned, it's not my fault that the rivets were basically welded into the inside of the arm of the car. Um, in that sense, there was three characters in this play. There was the guy, myself, and the car. And I and the car weren't, you know, melded together in that sense because he, he only thought I would need the, the simple fix. So he had owned the mistake of the situation. He had owned the, the, the difficulty. And that's what you should do as a worker. If there are unforeseen circumstances that neither you or the client saw, it's um, you know, it's it's for you as the professional to to uh, plan for that contingency and manage your your work around it. And again, especially this can't be emphasised enough. If you then create more problems, those definitely belong to you. It, it's completely unjust as a worker. So, for example, if I went to a client's house and I, I was fitting a pipe for their uh, outdoor tap or something, and within that process I created a new problem, like I damaged one of the old uh, pipes or I created a leak, that is not the client's problem. Should I then charge more for having to fix that leak? Of course not. Of course not. Doesn't mean it doesn't matter if it takes me an extra few hours to do. Um, any problems I create on a job are my problems and they need to be finished as well as the job that I've, I've done. And the only thing that the client has responsibility for is the job they've asked me to do and the price that I've given them to do it. Everything else is down to me. And in a nutshell, that's basically, basically it for, for what it makes you to be a good worker, at least at a basic level. And obviously we can just... Uh, whip everything else on top of that as well right know what you're doing know your subject uh don't do jobs that you don't feel comfortable doing but even if you're taking a risk make people aware of that and if that comes to any consequences again own those consequences um i had that recently where i had my first crack at fitting an outdoor tap and um i didn't have much experience doing that but i knew ahead of time that if it did, if any problems were caused, I would simply resolve those problems without changing the job in any way. But I didn't know enough about the process to feel comfortable that, no, I, I could do this. It's actually quite simple. You just drill a hole and put a pipe through it. Um, so, yeah, develop your expertise. Know what you're doing. Make sure that you can do the job and that you do it well. And... You know, because another factor of, of doing a job well is you don't want to just leave it, leave the mistake for the client or the next hire to come across later on, right? So, um, if you fix a car, for example, you don't want to just do a half decent job where everything looks fine so the person can drive away that day, but then they're just going to damage another part of their car within like a couple of weeks, right? You, you're not only passing the buck on then to the client, even if they can't trace it back to you. But then you're creating problems. Ha! In the case of a car, you might be killing people by their car go up, drive, you know, veering off the road. But even aside from that, you're just creating more more problems for the next uh, tradesman who comes in, right? You definitely see that with things like plumbing and, and carpentry and stuff, where people who you work on site with, there are so many problems you come across where the person before you simply didn't do their job properly. They didn't measure the walls properly. They didn't. Um, put the right data points in the right place. They didn't uh, put their own pipes in with enough room for you to put your pipes in next to them. So they're just passing the buck on down the line, right? But a really honorable workman will 
will think holistically about that. They they won't be selfish with their work just to get their their boxes ticked at the time. But they'll think ahead and think, okay, so who else is this going to affect? Is there a way that I can do this job which makes it easier for the person that's coming behind me, so that I can give them the due respect? And that's what really makes the quality of the work um, exemplify itself. Um, if it makes the lives of other people coming after easier, you know. So is that as well. Um, be honest, right? So if you do make a mistake, not only do you resolve it, but you, you be honest about it. It's like, yeah, I messed up. Oh, it's just, sorry, I damaged that pipe. I'm sorry I damaged that pipe. And that is my mistake. So it's not yours. And I will fix that. Yeah. And in fact, if it's an inconvenience to you because you expected me to be out of here by five o'clock and I'm going to be here till seven, I will compensate you for that, perhaps. Yeah. Um, would you accept a £20 deduction from the charge if I stay here for another two hours fixing the problem that I created? Yeah. Be honest about it. Um, if you're on a site and you're working with a whole team and you create a problem, don't just ignore it and say, oh, I don't know who who uh, drilled that that hole incorrectly or I don't know who, who damaged that pipe work. That must have been John. Maybe that was that was Dave. Well, Dave's not here anymore. Oh, yeah, so it must have been Dave. No, it was me. It was me. I messed up. It was my mistake. I'm sorry. And again, I will reap the consequences of that. If you want to fire me because of that, fair enough. Uh, but if not, I am willing to stay and even put a bit more time in to rectify that so that we can properly continue. Yeah. That's the right attitude to have. Um, and another one that I probably should have mentioned just straight out of the gate is show up on time. Show up. And show up when you said you would as well. Now, admittedly, there are there are factors at play there when it comes to things like traffic and stuff, especially, you know, if you're going to do a job in London, but you only live in like uh, Guildford or Winchester, then you can say, oh, I'll be there for eight o'clock, but one crash on the road and it's not going to happen. But in any case, just showing up when you said you would, that is the first indication of everything else that we've kind of set up, right? That That's you indicating that you respect the job and the client and their time enough to to not waste any of it, Right? Um, when I worked as a basic labourer, wow, the amount of jobs that I kept um, and even the amount of jobs that I took from other people simply because I showed up on time and consistently was unbelievable. You know, it's, it's two of the main factors with, with tradesmen in general. Being honest and being punctual are like 50% of the work. Because if you can do those two things, you already have enough, you've already shown enough um, integrity and discipline and respect so that even if you do mistake, make mistakes after that, the client kind of respects it. Because, you know, people are human. The, the, the clients usually are aware enough of your own short possible shortcomings or the complexities of the job that if a mistake does occur, they, they go, okay, fair enough, there was a mistake. At the end of the day, they still want to get it fixed. You know, if like, their sink isn't, sink isn't working or something. They still want to get it fixed so they can respect that you've made a mistake. But, you know, if you've already shown up on time and shown that that uh, that discipline, then when you tell them, I'm sorry, madam, but there was a mistake here unforeseen, they're much more likely to be understanding of that and uh, even warmly accept the fact that you're willing to 
make reparations for, for what's happened. So it's all about just um, respecting the quality of your work, respecting the time of, of the clients and respecting just being just and honest in each situation. And then after that, if you can add skill to the mix, fantastic. Because the thing is, why haven't I spoken about skill so much in, in this reflection? It's not because skill is irrelevant. Obviously, it's foundational. But the thing is, if you do have skill, but you don't have everything else I've just mentioned, right? Like integrity, proper work respect, punctuality, work ethic, then you can become an absolute nightmare of a worker, right? Because in a certain sense, either your skill remains, uh, it lacks its potential or it, or it becomes abused. You might wing two out of five jobs because you know that you've got enough skill just to do them. But then if you're doing the other three jobs where you're making mistakes or not owning up to it or you're making a client wait around or um, you're, you're making the problem worse and then making them suffer for it, these are all signs of a worker who is, yes, skilled, but a bad worker right and obviously the worst of both worlds is a someone who is both unskilled and doesn't have any of the the if you like moral qualities that i've just mentioned so really you want to get the best of both worlds be skilled in your craft and your in your discipline um and have the right qualities to earn really earn the work that you're doing and you earn something beyond the, the money that's there, right? Because as we all know, if we zoom out and think of what life is really for, then, yeah, of course money plays an important part of it if we're trying to live in the world and, and function within it. But it's only a means to an end. But we have to put our conscience and our virtues and our morality, put that one step ahead of that and stride with those first. So you first follow your conscience and then if you can earn money whilst following your conscience, then happy days. But if you've got to sacrifice your conscience to make a few quid, then what's it really worth? Um, yeah, I, I don't think I personally exemplify fully everything that I've just talked about, um, but it's something I, I think I'd like to aspire to. And I wanted to reflect on this because I've seen those qualities in other people um, and I recognize that that's, that's something worth admiring and something worth aspiring to. So I just wanted to share that reflection with all of you as well. Okay. So, yep. Uh, go to tonyvclow.com if you want my main hub website, which contains links to my books and the academy. The academy is up. Um, so www thetvcacademy.com if you want to look at my courses and there are previews on there and uh, you can find me on YouTube as well if you uh, type in TVC or the name of this this episode for example um, but yeah it's all there thanks again for your time God bless you <laughs>